Welcome to Trailhead Church. My name is Joe. I'm excited to be opening God's Word with you this morning. I'm a church planning resident here. I'm also uh, one of the elder candidates. And uh, first of all, just hope you had an awesome Thanksgiving and uh, hope that your Christmas week, uh, Christmas season is off to a good start. Uh, I got to tell you, if you came here this morning hoping for a Thanksgiving sermon or a Christmas sermon, I'm sorry to disappoint, but it's not going to be either of those this morning uh, because we are uh, finishing up a sermon series this morning, a sermon series we've been in the last, uh, today is the 12th week. And, uh, and so really what we're going to do in the spirit of Christmas, we're going to wrap this thing up, put a bow on it, and give it to you, and it's your first gift of the Christmas season. Merry Christmas, a completed Invitation to More series. So uh, to recap our Invitation to More series up to this point, uh, again, <clears throat> we believe that in the Christian life for all of us, there is, there is more for us to be experiencing. There is more joy for us, more freedom, and more life, and more power, and God is inviting us to experience that. And so uh, we believe also that to experience this, this more, this, this deeper experience of the gospel and this deeper experience of grace, that we have to, to know and understand and push into God's uh, process of growth, which uh, we have been uh, walking through the last several weeks, especially at the beginning of the series. We're calling it three G's of grace, gratitude, and growth. We're going we're gonna to get into that in a second. But first, I just want to say, um, and I've only been hearing really the, the tip of the iceberg on this, I'm sure, but it's just been awesome to hear of how God has been using um, the, the truth that's been coming at you through this sermon series, that God's been using it in your lives, and the Spirit's been at work these last three months. Um, I know that blesses the hearts of, of our elders and our leadership, uh, prayers uh, that are being answered, prayers that really began back at the beginning of this year when this sermon series was first being planned. And so um, we just praise God. We praise God for how the Spirit's been at work, and we just long for that to continue. We pray for that to continue. So again, uh, the three G's, uh, grace, gratitude, and growth. We really, uh, really dived into the, dived, dove into this at the, in the first half of this uh, sermon series. And uh, we start with grace. We start with the fact, again, we don't start as Christians with what we can do, uh, what we have done for God, what we can do for God. That's religious performance. That's, that's human effort, and that's slavery. We, we start with his grace toward us. We start with his movement toward us in Christ and in the gospel. The, the incredible kindness that God has shown us that we, we could never earn. We could never earn that from him. Um, he, is, he has saved us. He has shown us grace. He's rescued us. He's adopted us. He has given us his spirit. He's made us alive. And so really, we believe that the Christian life is to be lived uh, in response to that grace, uh, that it's God who first moved toward us and showed us grace, and we live in response to that. And that response, ultimately, we sum it up with the word of gratitude. Um, you know, it, it's Thanksgiving week. It's the end of Thanksgiving week, and so, so thankfulness is kind of on our minds right now. Um, but, but understanding that when we're talking about gratitude here, this isn't just us uh, giving thanks and saying thank you for something. It is that, but it's deeper than that, right? It's, it's a deep, heart-level, even life-changing experience of, of gratitude that we are, we are stunned by His grace. We are overwhelmed by the grace of God, that we, we respond with joy. We respond with humility to His grace. And, and I just got to ask um, for a moment here, just ask, have you responded to that grace? Have you responded to the grace of of God in Jesus Christ? Is Christ your hope? Is, is your faith in Him alone? <clears throat> and so from there, uh, grace, gratitude, and we move toward growth. And so the, so the last, uh, the last you know, several weeks have been us moving through these force multipliers that we're going to see here in Acts chapter 2. Uh, these force multipliers are what help us experience growth it, because they, they push us into uh, discomfort. They push us into to need and into dependence. And we realize in these, in these force multipliers, we, we realize again and again, I, I need God. I need His grace. I'm dependent on His grace. Again, to be clear, these force multipliers, they are not uh, for grace. They are not a way for us to earn grace from God. That's, that's against the very nature of grace. We can't earn grace from him. We can't earn kindness from him. These are from grace. We respond to his grace and they lead us 
back to his grace and lead us back into dependence. So our force multipliers so far, uh, first we looked at truth, uh, taking in God's word. We looked at, uh, and again, all these come right out of Acts 2. We looked at truth. We looked at community, uh, experiencing the gospel together in community, knowing and being known. We looked at uh, worship and the importance of corporate worship, regularly gathering to recenter our hearts on grace. And we looked at prayer last week. And today, uh, the final force multiplier is that of mission. Um, mission. So uh, once again, let's look at Acts chapter 2. Let's read this passage of the early church and just all these things that they devoted themselves to. So Acts chapter 2, we'll start it in verse 41. <clears throat> it says, those, So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added to that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The word of the Lord. All right, so again, our force multiplier for today is mission. And in a little bit, I want to go into kind of a, an in-depth definition of mission. But just for now, let, let me just say, mission, generally speaking, is, is the spread of the gospel, right? God, through his people, uh, spreading the gospel message um, to, to the world. And so we see that happening here in the book of Acts, right? I mean, uh, we pick it up in verse 41 where we started reading and uh, understanding what has just happened, that it, earlier in Acts chapter 2, uh, there was this major event that happened. Uh, the Holy Spirit came in this powerful way, came on the people, came on the church. We call this event Pentecost. And, and Peter, uh, Peter, who just a couple months before this, when, when Jesus was, being, uh, was arrested and being tried, he was running away scared, right? He was hiding in fear, and he was even denying Jesus. Here we are just a couple months later, and, and Peter boldly stands up and delivers this powerful message of who Christ is, that he was, in fact, the Messiah, the one that God had promised would come, and, and God proved it by, by raising Jesus from the dead, and, and people respond. It says that people are cut to the heart, and they repent, and they believe the gospel message. And it says, we read it, 3,000 people responded to the gospel that day. 3,000 people believed on Jesus. And from there, it just keeps going, right? Verse uh, 43 in our passage, uh, it, it says, Awe came upon every soul. Wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So the church is just faithfully continuing to spread the message of Jesus. God is confirming their message by these miracles, these signs and wonders. Awe is coming upon the people that is, I, I think, people responding in faith uh, to Christ. They're believing on Jesus um, it, it just keeps going. If you look at verse 47, at the end of the passage, it says God is giving um, favor with all the people. The Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. So day by day, every day, people are being saved. People are believing in Jesus. They're receiving the message of the gospel. They're being transformed by grace. The church keeps growing in number. The gospel keeps spreading on out, and it just continues from here really through the rest of the book of Acts. For 26 more chapters, we see the gospel going out from this place in Jerusalem out to essentially the rest of the world. Uh, we see the gospel crossing barriers, that, that the gospel started here with, with Jewish people, but we see later in the book, it's no longer for Jewish people, just Jewish people. It's for all people, people of different cultures, people of different backgrounds, people of different ethnicities, people of different social classes, and the church is faithfully advancing the message of, Jesus, message of Jesus through boldness and through um, sacrifice. I mean, as we, if you've read the book of Acts, you know that this did not happen uh, through a great time of comfort for the church. This happened through a time of persecution and even people losing their lives for Christ. Really, throughout the book of Acts, throughout the, the beginning days of the early, early church, and really throughout church history, the gospel has always advanced, not through times of comfort for the church, but really rather through times of suffering and sacrifice and persecution. Sounds great, right? Ready to sign up for that? But that's what it means uh, to be a Christian and to be part of God's mission. And I don't know about you guys, when I read the book of Acts, um, 
I, I, when I read, when I, when I get exposed to this story of the early church, I just get excited about it, right? I mean, this is, this is exciting stuff. I get, I get lit up by seeing the gospel advance out from Jerusalem, from this one group of people to, to many groups of people, from one city to many cities to many regions, people hearing the message of Jesus and responding and, and believing. And all this is happening through the church, understanding that the church that really, when you get down to it, looks pretty different from our understanding of the church today, right? Um, I mean, what, what they did, what they had, it was just so simple. They, they, didn't have, they didn't have elaborate programs. They didn't have buildings. They didn't have um, seminaries to train people. They, they didn't have technology or rely on technology in any way because they didn't have that at all, obviously. They just... They just faithfully lived out the gospel. They, they spread the gospel. They spoke the gospel where they were at, and God blessed. It says later in the book of Acts that they were turning the world upside down. I love that. That's exciting. Man, so as I was just thinking about mission and talking to you all about mission today, I was just praying, God, excite us for a little bit of a taste of that. Where we live, through us, God, would you turn our communities upside down with the gospel? our neighborhoods, our campus where we go to school, our street, our workplace, whatever it is. God, these communities of, of Edwardsville and Glen Carbon and, and Alton and Godfrey and Troy and Highland and Greenville and Granite City and, and the, whole, the whole 618, right? The whole Metro East that God would, would just turn it upside down with the gospel through us, through his people. I get excited thinking about that and I'm, I've been praying that God would, not that you aren't already excited about that, but that God would, would light you up just a little bit more this morning about that. So just a little bit of a roadmap here where we're going. Um, we're not going to spend really much more time in Acts. We're going to go to a couple more passages in the Scriptures, um, a couple more passages that I think are really key um, when it comes to understanding mission and evangelism. Um, and, and before we get into those passages... I feel like I need to clarify a couple terms, the terms that I literally just used, um, evangelism and mission. Okay, what do those words mean? Um, are they the same? Are they different? If so, how are they different? All right, so let's talk about evangelism first. Um, first, I have to acknowledge that hopefully when you hear the word evangelism, maybe, maybe this is you, uh, maybe you think the, the, the concept of a televangelist and uh, man, that would be understandable if that was if that was true. That'd be very unfortunate if that was true. Uh, televangelists, if you don't know, the, you know, really got popular in the 1980s. Uh, still going strong today. Uh, men who who preached on television and and used that as their platform. And these men, um, man, just preached a, a false gospel of. Of, of health and wealth and success and, and that God wants you to be successful and, and healthy and, and wealthy and happy. And usually they make a lot of promises about uh, your healing, of uh, being healed of diseases, make promises of God bringing this great financial harvest from your seed, which is, which is really you just giving them money so that they can then buy another private jet for themselves, um, which, is, which is really true. Um, the, these televangelists, they, they are not evangelists. They are not um, they're, what they're perpetuating is not even Christianity at all. So hopefully, let me just encourage you, if that's what you think when you hear evangelism or evangelist, don't, don't think that, okay? Evangelism is a very good thing, and to be an evangelist is a very good thing. The word evangel, evangelist or evangelism comes from uh, the Greek word euangel or evangel, uh, which just simply means good news or a message of good news, so when someone evangelizes, they are proclaiming, they are preaching, they are declaring this good news. And it doesn't necessarily have to be formal preaching like this or maybe preaching on the street or something that might come to mind like that. Um, it's just simply communicating the message of the gospel, the message of Jesus. And understand, it does need to be communicated, right? Um, it, there's this there's this phrase that's been circulating in Christianity for a while. Uh, preach the gospel at all times and, and use words if necessary. Um, the, the simple idea that if we, uh, just by the way we live, that those around us who, who do not believe, who, who are far from God, that, that uh, the way we live in of itself will preach the gospel message to them. And, and to be fair, in maybe a really small way, that, that there's some truth there because the, our lives need to match the message that we preach. 
And we do hope and pray that, that we live in such a way that, that the lost, those who are far from God around us, they see something different about us. They see that, that we worship something that they don't, um, that they would see something, that they'd be curious, that they'd ask questions. But at the end of the day, that phrase is really unhelpful, right? Because it is necessary to use words to preach the gospel. At the end of the day, we do have to open our mouths and say something about Jesus. We do have to communicate the message of the gospel. And so I love that Ed Stetzer quote that's in your bulletins um, because it's absolutely right. Preach the gospel, and since it is necessary, use words. We have got to be committed to this, to, to opening our mouths, communicating the message of the gospel uh, to those around us, to those who are far from God. That's what evangelism is, okay? Evangelism, now let's think about mission, okay? Um, by and large, probably in this sermon, I'm going to use the word uh, mission rather than evangelism. Um, and I think it's safe to say, generally speaking here at Trailhead, we usually use the word mission more than we use the word evangelism. Now, um, how do these terms relate to each other, okay? Are they, are they synonymous? Is there, is there difference? Um, really, I'd say it like this, that evangelism is part of the bigger picture of mission, Evangelism is part of the bigger picture of mission. That mission is, it's bigger, it's more all-encompassing. Um, here's what I mean. Mission is, it's not something just that we, we do. Uh, evangelism is something we do, right? We, we speak, we communicate a message, we preach a message. Mission is more than just something we do. We don't just add mission onto our lives. Mission gets down to who we are. Mission gets down to how we view ourselves and, and the mindsets that we have as we walk through life day by day. That I'm not, I'm not just to do something, to, to preach, to evangelize, to preach the gospel, but that I'm actually to think and live in a way that is missional, that is about my mission. And, and certainly at times that's going to mean evangelizing, preaching the gospel. So um, let's talk about that word mission. The word mission comes from the Latin word Missio, which means sent, sent, S-E-N-T. So when we talk about living on mission, when we talk about living on mission in the Christian life, we're talking about, again, a mindset, a way of living, a posture underneath how we live, that we are a sent people, that we don't just live where we live and work where we work and play where we play um, by chance, but that actually we have been divinely, sovereignly, sent there, appointed to be in those places to work and live and play by the sovereign hand of God, that He has actually sent us to those places. You are sent to the street that you live on. I'm sent to the street that I live on. I, I can't reach the people in your context like you can, the places you've been sent, because you've been sent there. Just And the reverse is true uh, for, for me and the places that I've been sent. We're to live like sent people. We're to live like missionaries. With all the same mindsets with that and, and impulses that a missionary has, with, with a desire to, to engage our culture, study our culture, learn from our culture, how, how does the gospel speak into my culture? How does, what are idols that are being worshipped in my culture that, that the gospel speaks into and tears down those idols and shows God to be the one true supreme God? This, this is what it means to live on mission, living with this mindset. It, it, it's more than just doing something. It's how we live having a fundamental impulse that, that I am sent. I am a sent one, sent to my neighborhood, sent to my workplace, sent to, to whatever my context is. And just as I was thinking about it this week, I think that one of the, one of the primary reasons that we as Christians fail to, to evangelize is because we miss this sense of mission. We fail to see ourselves as a sent people, that we have been sent by God to our different contexts. We have to live. We have to live with this sent mindset. And really, I believe that, that for the gospel to go forth effectively from us and through us as the church, uh, it's only going to happen as we truly embrace this sent mindset. Okay, one more thing here about mission, and then we'll move on. But the cool thing is that when we live on mission, we are, God is not asking us to do something that he himself has not already done, that he himself not, isn't already. To, to say it simply, God is on mission. God 
God has been sent in Jesus and in the Holy Spirit. God is a sending God. He is, he is both a sent and sending God. And we see this really in a lot of different places in the Bible, but just think for a moment specifically about the story of the gospel, um, the, the story of Christ coming to earth, the Father sending the Son. Do you see it? The, the, God has been sent by God. God is sending God. The Father, God the Father sending God the Son to carry out the mission, carry out the rescue plan. And, and Jesus did that. And, and then he, he died. He, he rose from the dead and he ascended back to the Father. And then just a few weeks later, as we've already talked about this morning, again, God was sending God, the, the Father and the Son, send the Spirit to the church to indwell the church and to empower the church to live on mission. So just all over who God is and all over the story of the Bible is God being on mission, God sending God, God being sent by God. So when we, when we live like this, when we live on mission, we're, we're just walking in step with who God is. We're, we're walking in step with the character and nature of God. All right? Now, let's, get into, let's finally get into these passages that I was alluding to earlier. All right? let's, these passages are going to help us um, get our mind around mission a little bit. They help us uh, just with our understanding of, of evangelism and mission. All right? So the first one is Psalm 67. Go there in your Bibles. Uh, the, the middle of the Bible, basically, is the book of Psalms. The 67th Psalm is where we're going to go. Um, we're going to spend the remainder of our time in these two passages and just glean some truths out, out of these passages. Psalm 67, page 481 in the hard copy, uh, hardcover Bibles around you. Um, let me go ahead and read this Psalm, Psalm 67. To the choir master with stringed instruments, a psalm, a song. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Now, before we get into this psalm uh, in depth, um, I just want to kind of put this in perspective of the last several weeks, over the last three months of our Invitation to More uh, sermon series. I want you to think about these last three months and all the things that God's been doing in your heart. Um, Man, through this series, I I don't know, maybe he's changed you in just some profound ways. Maybe he's wrecked you in in a fresh way with, uh, with his grace and and expose some things in your life, expose some idols in your life. Maybe he's brought to greater, clear, brought to greater clarity um, just how you should live. And, and, and hopefully, man, you're, you're experiencing that invitation to more. You're experiencing more life and more joy and more freedom. So the question that I have for you is, where does it go from here? Does it just, just stop? I mean, does it just stop with us and stop here on on this particular day, now that the sermon series is wrapping up? I don't think that's the case. Um, shouldn't it be, shouldn't it be not just that, that our lives would be changed by this, this invitation to more, that, that we would be changed by this, um, this 3G understanding of the Christian life, but not just us, but shouldn't it be that, that even those around us would be changed as well? That the people in our context, whatever it is, our street, our neighborhood, our, our campus, our workplace, that through us, the, we would see the three Gs happening in those places as well. That we would see people transformed by grace and responding in gratitude and, and growing in grace. I mean, in a very real sense, shouldn't that be the end result of all of this? Not that it would just terminate on us and stop with us, but that it would go out from us and through us. I don't, know about you, I don't know about you, but I get excited thinking about that. Man, that, that God hasn't been doing this just for us, but that he's been doing it for the people around us. So think about it. What if, what if the people on, on uh, Sylvan Lane and Alton, that's, that's my street, what, what if the people on, on your street, what if they were powerfully uh, impacted by the Spirit's working? What if the Spirit moved and, and their hearts were wrecked by grace and their hearts were undone by grace? They would hear the good news. They would respond in faith and, and joy and humility and gratitude. So, so what I'm saying is, 
What if everything that God's been doing in you these last three months, what if he began doing that and, and even doing more in the lives of the people in your context? And, and friends, that is what Psalm 67 is about. It, it, it's about that God has done something to us, but I don't want to let it stop on me. I want it to go out to the people of the world. That's what this psalm is about. All right, so let's, let's get into it here. Um, when, when, when I think about mission, one of the first passages I think about is Psalm 67. And when Steve asked me to preach on mission, I knew, well, I got to spend some time in Psalm 67. But what was interesting was, as I dug into it again, Guess what I saw? The three G's. I think we see the three G's here, even in Psalm 67. So let me, let me show that to you, all right? First, grace. Um, as, as the psalm writer, as he writes this psalm, I think before he writes, um, it's almost as if he looks out on, on the world. It's almost as if he looks out on his context, and he sees, he sees people. He sees many people. He sees the many people's of the world, the many nations of the world, um, he sees them and he sees that they're lost. He sees that they're broken, that they're helpless, that they're um, trapped and enslaved to their idol worship. Yeah, they're worshiping idols maybe of, of, of clay and stone and wood, uh, but more than that, they're, they're worshiping idols of, of comfort, worshiping idols of, of approval and respect and control, and, and they're not worshiping the one true God. And so, and they're delighting in all these things that just aren't satisfying them, and they're failing them, and so they're miserable. The psalmist just looks out and just sees people living in misery, no joy, no, no gladness, no hope, no life. And so this scene moves the psalmist to pray. I mean, that's what this psalm is, right? This is a prayer, and, and at the beginning, he asks for, for grace and for blessing, and we'll get into that in a little bit. He says, God, be gracious to us, bless us. Uh, but, but notice, he prays for that grace and for that blessing, not as, a, not as an end of itself. God, hey, just, just bless me, God, would you? Would you be gracious to me? No, it's not that. It's, it's God, bless me, be gracious to me for a greater purpose. God, that you would do something through us, through blessing us. And what is it? It's verse 2. God, that your way may be known on earth, that your saving power would be known among all nations. God, he's saying, God, we want everyone to know you. We want everyone to worship you and to be glad in you. We want all these people groups of the world, we want them to, to know your grace, to know your power to save. We want them to be rescued from their idol worship. We want them to know of your power to save and to know of your grace um, and, and, and really, this was written a thousand years before the time of Jesus, so we in present day, we can, we can add in some details here, right? We can say, God, we want the, the people around us and the peoples of the world to be, to be rescued through the power of your Son, through the power of your gospel, through what he's accomplished, through his death and resurrection. So just to say it succinctly, God, we want people to know your grace. We want them to be overwhelmed by your grace. God, we have come to know it. We've come to know your incredible love, your incredible grace in Jesus. And so, God, we want the peoples of the earth to know this grace as well. God, would you bless us? Would you come? Would you be gracious to us so that that, that can happen? That's what the psalmist is praying here. And, and it moves on from grace to gratitude. Um, he, he, he prays, God, I, I want the peoples of the earth to respond to your grace I want them to be overwhelmed with joy and praise and worship and gladness. Uh, look at verse 3, right? Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let, let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. I want them to be happy in you, God. I want them to, be, to know your grace and to respond in gratitude. I want to see their lives wrecked by grace and undone by grace and, and find true and lasting joy in you. I, I want them to know your grace and to respond in gratitude. So there's grace here, there's gratitude here, but there's also growth here. And it's not, um, it's not growth so much on the part of the people who will hear and receive, but it's growth uh, for us. Because you see in this psalm, again, that the psalmist, he knows his need for grace, right? How does he begin the psalm? He says, God, would you be gracious to us? Would you bless us? Because 
God, if this is going to happen, if, if we're going to make you known, if we're going to make known your grace in the world, then God, you have got to show up. We need you. We need your blessing. We need your grace. We need you to smile on us and make your, your face to shine on us. If we're going to make known your power to save among all the nations, all the peoples of the world, in our different, if our, in our different contexts, in our neighborhoods, and on our campus, or whatever it might be, um, if we're going to see them respond in, in, to your grace and gratitude and enjoy, God, we need you. We need you to come. We need you for this. We can't do this on our own. Again, it's like, it's like the psalmist is, is knowing that he's in the growth zone. He's, he's sensing the discomfort of this, that, that I, can't, I can't do this on my own. I need God. We need God to, to show up and, and be gracious to us. We know that, right? We know that mission and evangelism is a very uncomfortable thing. Um, few things drive us to dependence like mission does and like evangelism does. And there's, man, there's several reasons for that. I, I was thinking about it this week. I thought of two main ones of why that's the case. The first is, I think, that we are so tempted to fear people, right? Man, we, we are tempted to, to fear people and, and to want the respect and the approval of people. And if we were to pinpoint it, I think, I think that's really the primary reason that we fail to evangelize, um, that we fail to actually open our mouths and speak the gospel. Um, we want people to like us. We want people to approve us. And, and so we, we want that, and frankly, we don't rest in the approval that we already have in Christ. And so we just do what's comfortable. And what's comfortable is to not say anything. We don't open our mouths and, and speak the message of the gospel. Uh, we tell ourselves, they don't want to hear this. It'll just be more comfortable if I just don't say anything. That's one reason why mission and evangelism is so stretching and so uh, uncomfortable. But also, and, and the, reason, the second reason here is not really sinful at all, it's, it's having the, the, the awareness that we have zero power to change anyone. Like, think about what evangelism is. That, that our hope and our prayer is that, that we will announce, that we will proclaim, that we will explain this message, and that people will be changed. The problem is that we don't have the power to change anyone. Uh, I mean, we hope that, that dead people are going to come to life, and, and enemies of God are actually going to want to move toward God in repentance and faith, and, and worshipers of idols are going to repent and, and begin worshiping the one true God, um, that rock-hard hearts of stone are going to become hard, hearts of flesh, soft hearts, and, and yet we can't do anything about that. We can't do anything to make that happen. We are truly, literally just messengers declaring a message. We need God's grace. We need Him to move in hearts. And so, I guess the primary thing that I want to communicate to you through this psalm is we need to see our need for grace. We need to see our need for grace and mission, that we can't do this apart from God. We are totally dependent on Him for this to happen. So, so we pray this, right? We pray this with the psalmist. Um, God, be gracious to us. Would you bless us, God? Would you smile on us in those moments when we want to fear people and when we want the, the approval of people? God, would you cause us to repent of that? God, would you cause us to rest in our approval in Christ? God, would you bless us? Because we can't do anything to change anyone. We need you. We're totally dependent on you. We want to see our, our context. We want to see our, our neighborhoods and, and, and our streets and our communities and our workplaces. We want to see all those people come to know your grace and respond to your grace and gratitude. God, we need you for that. We're totally dependent on you for that. Friends, let's, let's see our need for grace here. Let's see our need for grace in mission, to live on mission. Um, so really, friends, I would, I would encourage you here, let this psalm lead you to pray. Let, le, may it lead you to pray, not only that it would happen, that God would do something through you, um, but that he would first do something in you as well. Um, because it starts with us, right? I mean, it, it starts with, with our vision. It starts with our our passion and our longings, what's driving us. Um, pray that God would do something in your heart. Pray, pray that, that, I think it'd be safe to pray, God, capture my heart with this psalm. Capture my heart with Psalm 67. 
When I, when I read the psalmist crying out, let the peoples praise you, O God. God, I want to pray that too. I want to pray that for my people, for my context. Think about this. What if, what if we just were meditating and praying continually, Psalm 67? Maybe, I don't know, maybe even memorizing it. It's seven verses, right? It wouldn't be a bad thing to do. What if we were just constantly meditating on this, on this psalm? What would God do in us if we were constantly meditating on this? What if, what if we were regularly praying this for the people around us, for our neighborhoods and for our communities? Think about how God would use that to change us, and then think about God actually answering that prayer and God changing our cities and our communities. Um, so, so I don't know what it might look like for you. Maybe just... Man, every time you drive down your street in your neighborhood, just praying Psalm 67. God, I want these people to praise you. I want, I want them to know of your grace and respond to your grace in gratitude. Um, maybe it's just as you, as you go out and about um, in your community, getting, getting a cup of coffee, getting gas, getting groceries, that you're just constantly praying, God, I pray that you would do this. I pray that you would, you would be at work, that your spirit would come, that the peoples would praise you, that they would know your grace. What if this psalm was just constantly on our hearts that God would transform us, um, transform the people around us and overwhelm them in gratitude and in joy? So, so friends, my encouragement to you here, let's pray this psalm. Let's pray that God would do something in us through this psalm. Let's pray that God would do something through us, okay? Now, let's get to our other passage here with, with the time that we have left. Um, because, okay, this is, this is kind of the heart that we want to cultivate, right? This is, this is kind of what we want to happen um, in us, but, but what's it going to look like for it to go out through us? What's it going to happen? What do, we, what do we actually do here? Okay, let's, let's go now to the New Testament, to Matthew, with the minutes that we have left. Uh, Matthew chapter 28. Um, just, this is just a very uh, good and very common passage to look at when we're talking about mission and evangelism. Um, we're going to have to look at the very last three verses of Matthew chapter 28. <clears throat> As you're turning there, just to kind of set the stage for you, um, man, this is the very end of the Gospel of Matthew, and so Jesus has died. Jesus was crucified. He rose from the dead. He conquered death, and uh, he declared himself to be God and to be king over everything in doing that. And he's about to leave. He's about to ascend back to his father. But before he does that, he's here with his disciples. He wants to give them one last charge, so to speak. He wants to um, commission them to go and to do something. All right, so let's read Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. All right, this is, man, this is a loaded passage. There's so much to say from these verses, so much to unpack. You could devote an entire sermon series to these verses. In fact, I'm sure many, many pastors and preachers have. I just want to key in on a couple things here with, with these verses. Um, one, I want us to see the main command from Jesus here. Um, what is his main command to his disciples? And then two, I want us to, to look at the, the beginning of what Jesus says and the end of what Jesus says. It's kind of the, the bookends of this great commission because I think this is, that's a really important, uh, those are really important truths there as well. All right, so the main command. What's, what's the main command here of these verses? Um, it, it's not that we would go. Uh, though that is really important. Uh, we've already talked about that, right? That we are to live as sent people. So, so this risen King Jesus, he is, he is telling his disciples to go. He's sending them. And, and in the same way to us, he is telling us to go. And he's sending us. And, and we need to cultivate that mindset of living as sent people. But um, I don't think that's the main command here. Um, Neither do I think the main command is to, to baptize or to teach, though those are incredibly important parts of all this as well. Uh, really, the main command is the sum of all of that. It's, it's going, it's baptizing, it's teaching, and it's all wrapped up in that, in that command in verse 19, make disciples, make disciples. And again, we don't have time to fully unpack this. Uh, there, there are, man, sermon series opportunity here uh, about discipleship. I mean, whole, whole books have been written on making disciples. What I simply want to say 
is think about who Jesus is talking to here, who he's talking to here, and what he's been doing with them for the last three years. These are Jesus' disciples. He's He's been with them for the last three years, pretty much day in and day out. They've, they've followed him. They've lived closely with him. They, they left their livelihoods, they, they, and they walked with him day by day. They did pretty much everything together. They, they ate together. They, they walked and traveled throughout the different regions together, preaching the good news. These men saw Jesus do many miracles. And, and all along the way, for three years, he's been training them, instructing them, teaching them. And, and not in like a lecture-type format, though that probably happened a little bit, but, but just along the path of life, he's been teaching them. He's been discipling them, and they've been following him. And so when he commands them, go and make disciples, this is not a, this is not a weird concept to them. This is not a strange concept to them. He, he's simply saying to them, guys, what I've been doing with you these last three years, I want you to go and do that yourself now. I, I want you to find people that, that you can walk with, and, and they, they will walk with you, and I want you to teach them. I want you to teach them about me. I want you to teach them what I've commanded you that they would live it out. And I don't mean teaching like in lecture type settings necessarily, just along the path of life. I want you to teach them. And, and then eventually, as you do that, I'm going to want those people to go out and do the same thing. I'm going to want them to go out and make disciples. And then, and then those people will go out. And it's just going to keep multiplying and, and advancing and, and spreading until all the nations, all the peoples of the earth know the good news of my death and my resurrection. And and friends, this command from Jesus is to us today as well, not just to his disciples. And so when we think about evangelism, when we think about opening our mouths, speaking the message of the gospel, communicating the gospel, this, I believe, is the primary way that we should think of it. Um, not so much in those you know, those, those random chance encounters you might have at the, at the grocery store or at, at the park or on the airplane or whatever it might be. I mean, yes, we should be bold in those opportunities and, and speak the gospel as God would give us opportunity. And we should, we should pray and, and, and seize those opportunities, absolutely. But, but the primary way that we should think about evangelism is this, making disciples, a long-term building of relationships long-term discipleship, walking through life with people. And not just Christians, but walking through life with lost people, people who don't know God, people who don't believe the gospel, and, and letting the gospel pour out of us onto them. And I'm not just saying um, you know, that they would see it and hear it preached through how we live. No, I'm saying, yes, we open our mouths and speak it, speak the message of Jesus. But we do it in a way that's walking through life with them. Um, when I think about evangelism like this, um, just that it's a long-term process and, and that we shouldn't necessarily focus on those maybe uh, single moments and single opportunities, I, I came up with, a, with an illustration that hopefully you find helpful. I actually, I heard this phrase in the business world, and when I, when I heard it, I thought, yeah, that, that's true in business. I get that, but I think that's true in, in evangelism and mission as well. And it's the, it's the simple idea that we're farmers, not hunters, we are farmers, not hunters. And there are, there are stripes of Christianity that, unfortunately, really, I think, view mission as hunting. Um, they, they, they want that, that moment, that kill, so to speak. They, they, they want to press for a decision and, and get a conversion, get a moment of conversion, a profession of faith. And, and, and man, they get those, and then they, they celebrate, and they're on to the next one. And it's just more and more, more and more conversions, more and more professions of faith. And there's just little vision for long-term discipleship, little, little vision for long-term walking with people. And friends, I just don't think that's the picture of mission that God is holding out to us um, in the Scriptures. I think, I think if we were to look at the Scriptures, we would see mission referred to a lot of times with the metaphor of farming. Um, I think of places where, where Jesus speaks and places where, where the Apostle Paul teaches. He talks about uh, some People plant, some people water. God ultimately is the one that brings the harvest and brings the growth. Friends, that, that farming metaphor, that's how we should think of evangelism. That, that long-term, uh, that long-time investment and, and, and investing for the long game and, and waiting for that harvest to come. 
doing it with the long game in view. Um, it doesn't mean that we just do life with people and never talk about the gospel. We do. We bring it up, even when it's uncomfortable. But our goal is to not just get this decision. Our goal is, is to walk with people, show them Christ in our lives, speak of Christ in our lives. Our goal really is to, is to seed and to, to plant and to, to water and to till and to cultivate the soil. And, and God, we pray, in His timing is going to bring um, a harvest of faith in Christ. All right? So, so that's making disciples. That's how I'd encourage you to think about evangelism. Now, um, lastly here, as we wrap up, I don't want us to miss the bookends of, of this great commission here, what Jesus says at the beginning and what he says at the end. Because I think if we look into that and really dig into that, I think we're going to see, um, we're going to once again see our need for grace here. Um, it's Jesus here reminding his disciples, you, you can't do this without me. Uh, don't, don't think you can go out and conquer the world without me, conquer the world with the gospel without me. You need me for this. I'm the one who has all authority. I'm the one who can, who can raise the dead to life, and I'm going to be with you in this as you go and make disciples. So, so look at verse 18. Uh, Jesus says to them there, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus, he's just risen from the dead. He, he is the, the all-conquering king. He has all authority, all power, all dominion everywhere in the universe is, is subject to him as king. He has uh, all dominion. He has all authority. And really so, it, it could be said that it doesn't matter what he's going to command us to do next, that, that whatever he commands us to do, there's nothing that can stop us from doing it because he's got all authority. So he could say to us, hey, I have all authority. I want you to sprout wings and go and fly. And we'd say, okay, man, time to fly. We can do this because he has all authority. He can make this happen. Nothing can stop us from fulfilling what he commands us to do because nothing can stop him. He is the risen conquering king. He has all authority and all power. I mean, what greater encouragement could there be than that in mission? That, that we're not going out and doing this on our own, but that, that we have the, the one who has all authority behind us and with us. He's, he's saying them, to them, essentially, what I'm commanding you to go do, remember, you have no ability to do this apart from me. You, you need me. You need my power you need my authority, but I have all power and authority. I, I have all power and authority. So as you go and preach the gospel, I will cause the blind to see. I'll cause deaf ears to hear. I will bring the dead to life. You, you can't do any of that. So don't depend on yourself. Depend on me. I can do everything, and I will do everything. Go preach the gospel. Preach the good news about me. That's what Jesus says to us. And, and see the other bookend as well. See, see the end of this. This all-conquering all risen king, he has all authority, but he's not going to stay distant from us, right? He's not going to be far away from us in mission. As we live on mission, as we live as a sent people, he's going to be right there with us. He's going to be right there with us. Verse 20, he says, I am with you always to the end of the age. He says, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you in those uncomfortable conversations, and they'll be uncomfortable, but I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you when you're afraid to speak. I'm going to be with you when, when the questions are hard and you're not sure how to respond. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you even when it's really, really hard and you're persecuted and, and you're mocked for believing me and following me, and they even hate you and, and understand they will hate you because they, they hated me. They're going to hate you. But but I'll be with you. You're not going alone. I'm, I'm going to be there with you. So, so friends, I want us to see it again. Just like we saw it in Psalm 67, we see here as well, we need God to live on mission. We need his grace. We need him to, to move. We need him to demonstrate his authority. We need him to be there with us, and he will be there with us. He will meet us in those places of need. He'll show us grace. He'll bless us so that we can make him known, so that we can make known his grace in our, in our neighborhoods and in our, in our cities and in the world. All right, let's, let's transition now to a time of, of response to this, guys. Let's, we're going to have uh, share communion together, and as we do that, uh, we're going to pray and have some reflection questions on the screen. I, I just want to encourage you guys to really reflect on this. Um,
you know, something I haven't really specifically asked you yet is just maybe think about this in the coming minutes. Who is God impressing on, on you in your context that you need to be engaging with the gospel, that you need to be inviting them to, to walk with you in that kind of discipleship process? Um, let's just meditate on, on God's word uh, together and reflect on what God wants to do in our lives. Before we do that, let's go ahead and pray. God, um, we thank you for your word and we thank you for really, God, how you in, invite us uh, to so much more and, and really you're inviting us to be on mission with you. God, you are the, you are the God who sends, you are the God who has been sent. Um, Son and Spirit sent to us, Spirit now sent to us to to indwell us and to empower us to be on mission. And, and so, God, um, thank you for inviting us to be on mission with you. Um, God, I pray that you would burden our hearts with um, the vision of your word for, for people to come. God, that this wouldn't just be about speaking a message, but God, that we would be eager and, and hungry to see those around us who are far from you, that we'd be eager to see them come and taste of your grace to come and, and be overwhelmed in gratitude for your grace. God, we need you for this. We can't do this on, 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 your, on our own. Um, God, so we pray with the psalmist, would you bless us? Would you be gracious to us? Would you, would you bless our conversations? Would you bless our, our relationship building, our, all of our efforts there, God? Would you bless us so that people can know you? Um, God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the the one who has died and is risen now and he's the all-conquering risen king and he has all authority. And so as we go, we know that nothing can stop him. Um, nothing can stop him and he's with us. God, thank you for that hope and for that encouragement. Um, God, would you help us to cultivate a mindset to live as sent people? Thank you for sending us. Thank you for sending your son to rescue us, to save us. And now, God, we, play, we pray that we would be compelled um, by what he has accomplished, his mission, to go now and to live on mission. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Guys, let's take some time and reflect on the questions on the screen.